the What The Fuck Show with Connor Falk. I appreciate you taking the time to listen, be it through Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud online. Another week, another great guest. This week, I have a musician. I have an entertainer, many different things. I'm a very blessed guy. I get to work in the entertainment industry. In that process, I get to meet many different people, people in front of the camera, behind the camera, people who do both. And this week, I have one of those great people, Dre Mira, musician, artist, overall, a guy who, who works. He does a lot of different things. He's, he's worked a lot of great venues. We're here to talk about some of your music and your on-camera work. And uh, Dre, I'm happy to have you here, man. Yeah, How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been a while. You and I started working together on the show LA Crime ended up getting named Wicked City for ABC we were both working as rockers in this uh, Whiskey A Go-Go or Viper place that was pretty awesome right yeah, it was rad. Yeah, we're talking about Call of Duty of Modern Warfare 2 and how it was a great game. That's right. And from okay, there, we're yeah. like, hey, man, we should hang out sometime, you know, get you on the show. I've been following your career, been doing a lot of different things. I'm excited to have you on. I'm also excited to let you know about my sponsor, Ferris Pizza, the best pizza for the best price. Check them out at ferrispizza.com. Now, Dre, getting into your music career, how did it start? You're from Ohio, is that correct? New Jersey. New Jersey, okay. okay. I thought because you were a Bengals fan, maybe from, from yeah, Ohio. Yeah, uh, well, that was my dad growing up. Okay. Also from New Jersey. Also but, from New Jersey. From uh, Jersey. Somehow, some way, became a Bengals fan, so I followed in his footsteps. Exactly. Poor Bengals fan, unfortunately. Some of that and, bad and luck Notre that Dame occurred. Fan, and Notre so. Dame. Okay, so overall the Midwest. We'll get to some of your <laughs> sports fan, uh, fandom later on. We'll talk about kind of your transition from coming out to Jersey to LA and how you kind of started your music career yeah. and everything. So, Well, I started um, in theater when okay. I was eight. Uh, my dad is a pianist, nice. a classically trained pianist who became an arranger and a composer in musical theater. Mm. Uh, my mom was a dancer who became a teacher, so I was raised. Okay, you I just had like a very it. bohemian yeah. upbringing with my parents. Uh, it was like taking me out of school to go to like art museums and uh, take road trips. And we would go out and visit my dad when he would travel and, and play shows and whatnot. Oh, wow, um, okay. So I always loved music and and drama and uh, painting and whatnot. Um, and when I was eight, I started doing theater at George Street Playhouse in New Brunswick, New Jersey, okay. uh, by where I grew up. Uh, I did uh, Shakespeare when I was a teenager and then kind of dropped everything to do music when I was 13. Uh, did that for like six or seven years exclusively. And then when I moved out here, I kind of fell back into acting. Now, can I ask you a question? Now, being someone who's not unfortunately very musically inclined, you kind of grew up in what we could say an incubator in terms of an artist do you know your father is a musician your mother also worked in the arts would you say that you kind of had talent already in those genes of being able to pick up an instrument and play or did you really have to sit down practice I don't like the word talent I believe people are gifted you know I I understand that environment and genes do play a part in your skills as an individual but I think sometimes talent can undermine a lot of hard work and dedication so Mm. I think it's important that like you're encouraged and the environment that you grew up in is like conducive to what a a gifts that you may have you know um but I think it's also important to remember that you know there is no such thing as a lucky break I think it's yeah a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of hard work so people who are told you're talented you're talented might in some way get a little you know lazy and think oh I have enough talent not willing to put the work yeah I I think there I think there are people like that yeah you grow up and you have people like whispering in your ear you're the best. About how talented you are. Yeah. You can kind of slip behind at a certain point. Get a little complacent. And you, you look at right? like yeah. child prodigies mm-hmm. and they have like a, a small window in which like they're fresh and exciting and and desirable and then they become like everybody else. Yeah. So when you get to that point, that's when the only thing that sets you apart is how hard you work, I think. But, well, I think that's a great theme because yeah. overall, everyone I have on this show, be it in front or behind the camera, working in the working in this industry, it's about a lot of hard work. It's about being able to be up for those 16-hour days and keep your patience and keep your respect for other people and really being able to get your hands dirty and get in there. I think a lot of people listening, if they're not in the industry, you know, kids out there, they might think, oh, well, it's kind of about lucky breaks. It's kind of about being in the right place at the right time. It is, but it's also about working as hard as humanly possible. If you really want those things you want to achieve, you have to be willing to work hard on everybody else, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think anything will ever replace hard work. And yeah. I think uh, there's always going to be exceptions. Mm-hmm. You have people that somehow manage to maybe they have someone in their family or um, they have put a video on YouTube and then they blow up overnight. But that is the exception, like I said, and count on that. That's not just going to happen. For it's not you. something you want to rely on. You know, if it does, that's great. Especially in a city like LA where you have so many people chasing the same goals. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say dreams because I feel like when you're living here and you're in it, yeah. you're not dreaming about it. You're you're doing it. You are, yeah. But you have everyone chasing these same ends. And I think most of the time it's endurance and effort. Uh, Harrison Ford, I don't know if you know this quote, said, I just have to outlast everybody on the bus. Well, Harrison Ford is just a great when, uh, person to bring up when you consider yeah. a guy who didn't get work as an actor. So he starts working as a carpenter for all the people in the industry. And then one day it's like, hey, you're a carpenter, but you might be good for this part. Do you want to come read for it? Right. Yeah. So just outlast. And I've also heard another quote from George Clooney being how this industry has its own filter system as in terms of that people will eventually just quit and be done with it. You know, maybe family or different things that are going to happen. But if you stick with it, if you're polite, if you show up on time, there's a chance that you might go ahead and get that that break that you need to your point show up on time give them exactly there to work and do a job go in that way with a work ethic and they're gonna go ahead and appreciate you i got lucky that day i think you did as well they went ahead and they had my hand up and they said you can you go can you go ahead and make out with this girl for a pay bump and make it look realistic and i was like as as well like the team america <laughs> maybe star spangled banners like playing in my head it's like you know what i'm gonna step up and i'm gonna take one for the team i'm gonna do this right now and i'm gonna make it out with this pretty woman for a pay bump. i actually didn't get that lucky yeah but you know since then you've been doing a lot of different things from on camera yeah. to commercials on uh, mcdonald's commercials a nikki ricky dicky and dave you worked on that a, a lot of usc student films video secrecy was a really big show for hbo it was a david fincher produced directed show it's actually about his upbringing or his beginning in la as a music video director i know you worked on that um unfortunately when it comes to hbo i guess they didn't have a chance where they could produce all 10 episodes but you did work on that correct i did yeah, yeah. And, and actually a lot of big people were going to be on that so you can't say overall you know some things die and they come back so there might be still hope for that right from what i've heard on like the gossip lines yeah um they halted production to retool they filmed five episodes okay um and initially they had filmed two episodes in lieu of a pilot just because david's reputation and and i guess the crew and the writers and whoever else was working on the show yeah um they didn't feel the need to do a traditional pilot so they filmed two episodes and then went ahead with three more um halted production in may or june Mm -hmm. didn't hear anything for a while and then i actually um saw David at a restaurant, um, and he said, "This is recent." And you guys had I a conversation. I can talk about this. You had a conversation about it. Um, with yeah, David well, I brought it up, and oh, he man. remembered, um, and he said that they were uh, still working on it. So. Yeah. We'll see what uh, <laughs> what so, will happen with there's that. There's still a chance. And David Fincher, obviously the acclaimed director for many great movies from Social Network to Seven to Fight Club, probably one of my favorite of his. It has brilliant overall. has a lot of his hands on uh, House of Cards and Golden yeah, Globe Emmy yeah. winning TV series. So you're working with a lot of good people. You come out here from Jersey and then let's talk about the music side of what you do in the music genre. Now I know really cool things. Um, Evil Walks was, was a band that you went on an Australian tour with, correct? Yeah. How was that experience? Traveling from the US to Australia? What was that like? It was like? an experience, man. Yeah. Well, the travel part of, yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> you don't like that? <laughs> uh, it was a 20-hour flight with a layover in Fiji, okay. uh, which was I thought would be really cool because it's Fiji. Yeah. Um, but the airport is actually under construction and it's mostly underground. So we only got huh. to go above ground to board the plane. So we got like two minutes out in the Fiji air with the mountains. and. Okay, so you didn't get to see um, much of what's no, on that water no, bottle but, that you buy at the store. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, they, all they had was Fiji water at the airport. <laughs> but it was, it was cool, man. Um, we played, I think, 14 shows in a little over four weeks. Wow. We did a lot of fly dates. Um, started in the Gold Coast, like in Queensland in the north. Okay. And um, the singer in the band, Leah, is from Burley Heads, which is a s- suburb of Brisbane. Okay. We would fly to Melbourne, fly to Sydney, fly back. There's really no like regional music scene there and you hmm. can't drive because the distances between the major cities so are so far. Yeah. So um, we would fly out for a week and then fly back and, and recover. And then, yeah, it was great. Melbourne was my favorite. What about the audience? How different was the audience? You played for a lot of music and people in America. So how was the audience in, in Australia? Were they the same? Were they as rowdy? What, were there some key differences or was it just another gig? Uh, it depends. I think we played a festival. The first show we played was a festival in Noosa, which is uh, further inland, which is like, would be the bush, I guess, like out, like kind of in the backwoods, you know? Yeah. It would be the equivalent of like the South, like the rural South okay. here. Yeah. Um, so we played this festival called Mitchell Creek Rock and Blues and it was three days uh, camping. Uh, they gave us like glamping tents. So we had like cots and like some amenities, but we still were, you know, sleeping in tents and we played at 11 o'clock on the Saturday and by the time we went on stage, it was so hot during the day. It was like, I guess it would have been like 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And then at night, it dropped to like almost freeze. Um, so we went on stage and our drummer was like steaming. I could like see my breath. So anyway, we, we, we get up, we go on stage at like 11. Uh, we're playing our set. And the way this festival was built, they had like two stages with the sound in the middle. And they would, you know, one band would play while the other band set up and then they'd switch over. Okay. Like, so that they could just have continuous music all yeah. day. So, I don't know, that was like, that had never happened. Yeah. No, okay. they, they really love music. Um, yeah. And they don't have, we're spoiled here. Yeah. Like, you really you realize when you travel elsewhere, the caliber of car- the arts and culture that we have in the States. Yeah. We have so much. We're like overwhelmed with it. We don't even know what we have. We can pick and choose yeah. so many different things. Yeah. Kind of be selfish in that way, you know. In terms of saying other countries, they just don't have the opportunity to get to, you know, kind of check all those things yeah, out. Yeah, like, oh my God, you're an American band? Like, yeah. that's so exciting. That's like, going to be if, big if enough. If an Australian band came to the States, yeah. Be like, yeah, it okay. would be like another Australian band that came to the States, you yeah. know, because I feel like America is so diverse to begin with yeah. that we're not impressed if it's different you know we wouldn't be like oh they're a french band that's so cool but if you go to france yeah. and you're an american band they're that's like oh, you're actually different c'est magnifique something they want to check out <laughs> nice a french drop here on the what the fuck show okay let's talk about the other band that you work sugarfly what's it like working for sugarfly i know that you were actually part of a song a big time song that recently was top 10 on one of the charts right that was with sean kelly okay sean um, kelly who we can talk about as nice. well a friend of mine uh, Sugarfly is a band that I met on Craigslist, actually, when nice. I, I moved here. Um, I was looking for musicians for my b- solo band. Okay. Uh, and I had just released this music video called Crossfire Child. You can find it on YouTube. I'll give you the link to put in the description. Awesome. And of course, for the listeners, I will have all of Dre's links, be it through Twitter, YouTube, Vimeo, all that will be on the description of this episode. Uh, so we released this music video um, through this blog called the Obelisk Metal Blog that the bass player in Sugarfly actually had been a reader of. And he had seen the video and then a few weeks later had seen my ad. Okay. Um, but the video, the, the article in the blog said I was from New Jersey. I had just moved. He didn't know I was in L.A. And then he's like, what is this guy doing in L.A.? Maybe we could like, you know, work yeah. on something. So they had this band with this girl, Tia Simone, who's this incredible front woman and singer. And they gave me a call and asked me if I'd be interested in coming into jam with them. They didn't have a live band at the time. They hadn't played any gigs. So I got together with, with Noah and Colin, the bass player and drummer, played through some tunes and then they brought in Tia. At the first rehearsal actually with the full band, uh, I guess Tia wasn't sure. They're they're a little bit older than I am. 
him. Yeah. And I guess Tia wasn't sure um, if I was like a good fit because um, I was younger and whatever. And she had a, she turned around and I saw on her back she had a tattoo. And I was like, hey, like, what's that? tattoo she's like oh it's from harry potter it's a deathly hallows oh. and i was like shut the fuck up and i like took my <laughs> guitar off and i have the same tattoo in the same spot on my back oh wow so another opportunity of harry potter bringing people together <laughs> on stage just you can be in the band now yeah like, that's awesome yeah. what kind of venues did you guys play because i know you played a lot of big we venues. play the mint once a month nice. um sugarfly does yeah. uh we've played the we played the fonda theater we played at the hmma awards the nice. hollywood music and media awards oh. we won an award for best up-and-coming rock band wow congrats Thank man you. definitely the first on the show to win an hmma so that's big for me i appreciate yeah, you yeah, coming on was, the show man it was rad i had no idea what it was either <laughs> <laughs> like um, hey an award okay that sounds cool yeah it was it was cool um verdine white was like the presenter from earth wind and fire oh wow now what was the song that you were on with sean kelly this was a song that's a top 10 on one of the boards right now that the listeners can check out what yeah song was that? Uh, it's called in love in love i think you can find it on sean kelly music you SoundCloud. play lead guitar on that sean, sean kelly music okay yeah i did yeah i i helped write and uh i've i've been playing guitar with sean since november he was on tour with Eva Walks. When we got back from Australia, we did two weeks in the States. Okay. Which was super rad. We toured with this uh, Swedish, Swiss band, sorry, called Death by Chocolate. Nice. And That's a good, uh, good name. Yeah, yeah. They were like the coolest guys and we had these two Mercedes sprinters with Xbox and we just like, we cruised all the way from Phoenix to Seattle in two weeks. Oh man, that sounds sick. Just had like the best time, got these matching tattoos in Seattle. But Sean was opening the tour as an acoustic act and he sponsored... By Hurley, who works with Bob. Nice. The um, surfing and uh, yeah, he works with Bob Hurley. Right, yeah. um, so he's sponsored by Hurley, and they are um, recording him right now in Orange County at the the Hurley HQ. They have a studio down there with like a skate park in it. It's so cool. Nice. Um, but I've been going down there and writing and recording with them like once or twice a month. So the the new single's out, and it just went to I think like number three on like the Phoenix alternative charts. Well, what's it like to have you know yeah. a song that's so popular? Is that kind of a first thing for you? Do you feel like you know you've been on camera, you've been in big time commercials? Is it as appealing or as satisfying to hear your you know your music being played like big time or see i haven't heard it because it's oh, okay. phoenix phoenix but okay. um yeah i guess it's pretty cool but so i'm gonna try to it. you know yeah. i'm gonna try to market this episode to everyone in phoenix then for Please, sure you know, yeah. check out Dre demera <laughs> a great musician now let's talk about your band um let's talk about your band lunar electric now it's a psych psychedelic kind of rock um certainly something i think i would be into is it kind of a throwback music maybe kind of the 70s 80s kind of thing no. No, okay. No, and I, I only say no because I don't I don't like the word like term classic rock. Okay. I think it's all about the role, not about the rock. That's nice. where they got it wrong. Okay. Know? Keith Richards said that. Yeah. I like that up. No, good job. But um yeah, I feel like music is always relevant. You know, I listen to everything from like the Stones and the Beatles to like modern pop music and nineties hip hop and Django Reinhardt and swing from the thirties and forties and like that's what yeah. speaks to me, you know. So uh for me it's just the now, you know. Yeah. Um the sound I think it is like an old school so that's like not answering your question at all. I think it is an old school sound. But like a totally new school vibe. Okay. Well, I guess I mean in that yeah. way, so you can have older school people, like say my father, who was all into those kind of bands, and say the new people now, good music is good music, right? No matter when it's made. Yeah. So you can kind of appeal to the older crowd and the new crowd, which I think is going to obviously, as you would say, as a performer, is going to help your music when you don't alienate any of your audience, yes. right? Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of, um, I'll get on the soapbox about this because this is something I've uh, thought a lot about and I see it all the time. Um, that's something that I think has made rock like a marginalized genre mm. in that all of the major rock radio is classic rock and you know back in the day and yeah and what have you and it's you know, where the kids yeah. edm is popular right now among young people because their parents don't get it 
Okay, yeah. And it's something that's theirs. Yeah. Rock and roll will not be cool while you have these like casino residencies and like Ozzy has a reality show and like this is what young people, this is their impression of this music now. Yeah. Naturally, they just don't want to like the yeah, same thing Yeah, it's just not parents. cool, yeah. you know, um, which breaks my heart because that's not the essence of it at all. If no. you look at like what the Stones represented when they um, were rising to fame in the 60s and the, the culture and the the vibe of that time it's so powerful and i hate to think that young people are looking back on that and feel like it's dated or lame or it's like their parents music well because the truth is if it wasn't for the stones kind of paving the way the beatles all those different bands these new edm things wouldn't exist it took all those different decisions and bands and people breaking through to go ahead and have an opportunity for these new kind of you know producing different kind of music so and i get if you don't like it you know um but you need to appreciate yeah well would you say okay from my point of view as a music listener i've always kind of preferred the older kind of music just because I felt like it was less produced in terms of it was more letting their voices and their actual talent playing and whatnot and then I have new bands now with say I don't have anything against it but say like a Drake or a lot of these different bands where it just feels like it's all computers it feels like it's because it is it's computers doing everything. Now, you as an artist, do you like to kind of avoid the technical aspect and the computers being added? Do you like to just be you and your band? Or do you kind of like, you have to kind of give in to some of these new technologies that can help? I don't mind using technology and I don't think you have to give in. I think when it's used well, it's really cool. Like Kimbra, do you know Kimbra? I haven't heard Kimbra. Kimbra is no. from New Zealand. Uh, she worked with Gautier. Okay. Um, but she's a singer, producer. She writes kind of like, I wouldn't call it electronic music, but it's like kind of electronic pop. It feels very organic. Yeah. And she's using the technology to aid in the creation of the music okay. as opposed to substituting. And I think that's when... Great. That, um, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I think that's say. when it becomes artistic is when you're using the technology to create, to heighten the music as opposed to cutting corners with it. Yeah. Compensating for lack of consistency or ability wow. as an artist. Well, that's a good line, man. I'll just say from anybody listening who's wondering what you're saying, the cutting corners, you know, you can supplement it to add to it, but if you're going to use it to kind of cover up your mistakes and things like that, then that's when I think it becomes a detriment to the artist, right? Absolutely. And the listeners in general who are missing out. Yeah. Okay, now Lunar Electric, uh, where can we find some of your stuff on Lunar Electric? What's what's the progress on some of the new songs? Where are you playing? Where can we check you out? Well, I have um, a record in the works okay. right now. I have about half of the record. We haven't been gigging. Uh, Kayleen and Gina, the musicians that I've been working with, live in Austin and New Jersey, respectively. Um, so it was it really started as a recording project. Uh, and then when I moved out here, like I said, I, I was working towards putting a live band together and then kind of got thrown into this whirlwind of the you know the tv work and and these other uh bands uh and the tour but uh that's definitely a priority for 2016 so i'm gonna get into the studio and finish the record uh and hopefully schedule some stuff by the summer going into the fall awesome so listeners can go ahead and and wait out for lunar electric this summer we're gonna have some new tunes for you my guess is dre demira actor guitarist musician overall artist the guy who just knows how to how to create things we're gonna say you know coming from an artist family i'm really happy to have you on the show and for those listening right now this is what the falk show with me connor falk it's a podcast about everything i like to think about whether i'm bored in traffic i'm playing a video game maybe i don't want to listen to my girlfriend even though girlfriend kyra i love you i appreciate you being mine and our sponsor is uh ferris pizza the best pizza for the the best price in my hometown, Bakersfield, California. Check them out on ferrispizza.com. Now, move on to something you and I both have extremely... Obviously, I'm a music and movie fan, but you have something we both have in common, that's Star Wars, right? Let's talk a little about Star Wars. We were, we were going to have a show and talk <laughs> about it, but I hadn't seen the movie yet, so we kind of waited a few months. Now you're here. We've both seen The Force Awakens. What did you think about it? Four times. Four, you seen it four times? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought my two was a lot. So what, <laughs> what did you think about it? And then we can kind of get into what we think about some of the ideas are for the next movie. Okay, now I'm excited. Okay. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I think the first time I saw it, it was like, oh my God, Star Wars. So much. Yeah. And uh, it was just 
totally magical. When I went back, I wanted to kind of watch more closely and like listen to the the music, and I, I was watching it more objectively. The chance um, to dissect. A still more. great. Yeah. Still great. Yeah, it's just a great film, man. I feel like it's everything it needed to be. Obviously, a vast improvement over the the prequels, and I feel like the reason being is that I really cared about the relationships uh, between the characters, and as you know, that's like one of the most important things in any drama, especially on camera, because you you're so vulnerable and exposed that if you're, you know, telling someone you have cancer and thinking about what you want to eat for dinner that night, that's going to show. And I feel like Daisy Ridley especially did a really, really great job of internalizing and then playing those feelings. And it was very organic and very real. The problem for me with the prequels is that I didn't care about any of those characters. And when I go back and watch them now, I don't feel a connection and I don't feel like there are any stakes. Do you think CGI had anything to do with that? I think it had a big part to do with it. Okay. Because I I like to think that CGI, compare that to what we talked about with the music, about the over producing and the technology is all it was a hundred percent green screen all the prequels yeah and i've disliked those movies i just i don't find it believable in this one the good thing about jj abrams he likes to use as least amount of cg as possible realistic props realistic sets for me that was something i very much huge, liked about this star huge, wars right huge and that, it gives a lot of people work yeah, about yeah that, and it's, you know? it's what made the original films great was that the the characters were so relatable and you really cared about them and within the first 10 minutes of this movie i would like take a bullet for either of them felt really strong. Now let me ask you, did you like it any more than the, like, I don't even consider the prequels a Star Wars, but I really don't. When me I'm either. talking about, I'm talking about the first three. Either. I don't want to like yeah. be that. Sorry, <laughs> George Lucas, but I just, I wasn't into yeah. those movies. I wasn't the characters like you exactly. I, mean, I, I loved it when I was little. You yeah. Know, I didn't, but then I go back and I'm like, oh my gosh. Especially after I started like acting more seriously and, yeah. and studying. I was just like, oh, what is interesting when you start to actually act and you learn kind of how that is. And then you, it's bad part, unfortunately, is that when you start getting in the industry, you're more connected to these things. Anytime you learn a craft. It's yeah. exactly. And it's easier for you to tell when it's shitty, right? So like you watch a bad movie and you could tell how bad it is immediately or that this person is going to be a bad actor the whole time. And that can kind of like your friends who aren't in the industry are like still enjoying it. You know, like my dad likes a lot of movies that I can't even watch because yeah. he doesn't look at it the way I do. I don't want to go as far as to call anyone in those movies a bad actor. I don't think they were bad actors i think that the movie just didn't serve them well they weren't presented well Well, i don't think necessarily bad actors but some people just aren't right in the the roles certain roles aren't for other people casting is a very big deal for a viewer like me i've had certain shows that i've watched with friends and i was like you know what i just don't like this person the way they're doing it and i didn't have anything against the actor i want them to work right but then truthfully the next day the next episode my friend calls me like dude that actor wasn't on the show anymore that's a market research thing how you react to these people if you can believe them if you build into their character if you want to watch their arc over the course of a series or movie right so it's certainly it's not always the them being a bad actor it's them not being in the right role yeah right? not everyone you know i don't think connor falk you're going to see me working in a shakespearean play or movie that's just not what i'm doing you could you know, I, don't, I don't know you know all american taking the tom cruise kind of roles the athlete the whatever I feel stuff like, like you that. could be like demetrius in a midsummer's night dream or Demetri- hey i'll try it man whatever for the resume right yeah. but so, so star wars you didn't like it anymore did you like it any more than the original three would you put force awakens above you know new hope return of the jedi empire strikes back i might get shit for this i would put it above return of the jedi okay you're not um, the only one to say that to be honest There's, i've heard a lot of people say that. yeah um i obviously i love return of the jedi yeah but i think start to finish force awakens was a stronger film new hope is still my favorite in the sense that it has like so much youthful energy yeah. but empire strikes back is the best film yeah i, yeah. I absolutely agree <laughs> like overall if you watch the first three like no matter which one you like more one or three you always have to admit and know that two is probably the best made film of all of them. yeah empire strikes back yeah the overall it's dark movie. and well, yeah. i'm hoping that's what they do with eight well here I'm we go it goes in that direction speaking of darkness yeah. and the director someone that i love rian johnson director of looper uh, brothers bloom brick a lot 
lot of darker, grittier movies that I hope my listeners uh, check out. I actually have an underrated movie of the week I do just on my Twitter, the What the Fuck Show Twitter, at my WTF show. And uh, I had the Brothers Bloom, I was promoting that, and Rian Johnson actually retweeted it and liked it. And I was like, hey, thanks, man. So I check out this movie, director of the upcoming Star Wars Episode Eight. Well, there's a lot of different clues and different ideas of where this movie's going to go. Do you think it's going to be the dark and gritty one like every other second in the trilogy? Where do you think they're going to go with this one? Well, I hope so. Yeah. I think, so a lot of people didn't like Adam Driver. Okay. Um, well, that's what I heard. Um, I liked him a lot. I thought he did a great job in that role. Yeah. I think he needed to be immature and and young and youthful. Yeah. He had, he hadn't taken that step yet. Spoiler alert! You'll put that in like the description. Well, right? right now, we're just going to talk about Star Wars, assuming that people have watched it. So okay, it's okay. Awesome. Yeah. So he hadn't killed Han yet. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like his. Uh, he's made his. Like that's the point at which he'll cross over mm-hmm. so i think going into the next film he's going to be able to play the darkness more but i think he he's doing a good job of the arc right now like not going too dark too quickly well i like the fact yeah. is with darth vader in the first ones we never saw his mask off it was always darth vader and in terms of kylo he takes his mask off he becomes a totally different thing i can see more of some innocence in his eyes i see the struggle that he had with the dark side it makes me think that there might be a chance that he turns i think he might turn i do there's a possibility now here's some of my let's talk about the the funnest i know i obviously want to talk about your music but i also want to talk with a star wars fan about some of the other ideas and we can talk about star wars all day Endor, um my fictional uh kind of hypothetical ways i think the story's gonna go this next episode right so daisy ridley is she luke's daughter yes you think that for sure yes okay she's luke's daughter and kylo just couldn't kill her so he went ahead and marooned her on a planet is that what you think um do we know for sure that it was kylo that left her there well, when we, see, when we see the ships they're the same kind of ships that were dropping the stormtroopers off so that makes me think about have it have you watched a lot of youtube videos or like have you like really i've, I've been all in i haven't this, man. i haven't been on the okay well i'm not gonna spoil it for you am I no right? no please go ahead okay so from that you're, you're teaching me from that it would yeah. make me think that kylo just came to her and he couldn't kill her because they were related obviously or maybe that's why he said what girl what girl because yeah there's a girl that he knows about which obviously kind of brought up his anger pretty quickly secondly what if she was a student what if she just happened to be a student at the academy that he was friends with and then he marooned her after he broke. but she doesn't remember but she's not luke's kid what if she happens was just a student at the place? Do you think that could be a possibility? Or are you pretty darn confident that she's a Skywalker? I think she's a Skywalker. I think Poe Dameron could be her brother too. No, Poe Dameron is from a Dameron family. See, the thing with is this he? is that Marvel actually came out in Disney with a pre-graphic um, like, novel before Force Awakens. And it kind of it kind of describes Poe Dameron's upbringing. He actually is, his family is, they fought in the, um, uh, what were the, the war in Return of the Jedi? Remember the Battle of Endor? Endor. They yeah. they fought in the Battle of Endor. His dad was a captain. His mom was also in the in the army and they had a, a big thing to do with the resistance. Oh, wow. Okay. Enough so that Luke actually gave them a force tree, like a force strong tree that they that he grew up around. So Poe Dameron is definitely a gotcha. friend of the Skywalker okay. family. Uh, yeah, because I was thinking because he's like a great pilot. Yeah. It's in his blood. He, it's in his so blood that makes sense. to work with the resistance, but I don't think he's actually a Skywalker, though he is a Skywalker friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they do know each yeah. other. And I do think that Leia knew him as a kid or whatnot from there, right? So yeah. that would probably be something so. that you would agree with. Okay. Yeah. So if she is a Skywalker, does that mean that Luke is going to be good? Is he going to be bad? I mean, he, we don't know. He kind of looked a little disheveled when he was there just hanging out. And was he in front of a grave? I have friends that tell me that the, he was standing in front of a grave. Did you notice a grave when he was there? No, whose grave? The, just a grave. That they, they like some kind of rock formation that he was standing in front of it and kind of in a, in a formation of sadness. Well, do you think the planet that he's on houses the original Jedi Temple? Or do you think maybe in episode eight they're going to go looking for it? I think that is the original temple. There's a whole other canon. See, there's so many books of Star Wars in the, the, in, in the EU. Yeah, the Stackpole. Yeah. And the, the, the history of the canon in Star Wars universe, of that that is the area. It's, it's a, it's a, um, a water-bound earth 
unearthed or whatnot. And then also there's more clues for people listening. It actually got leaked. The original script was online and there were descriptions of, and, you know, in the movies, you just see what they're thinking in the script. They actually have, he's thinking this, right? And in, in certain uh, pages of that, that driver knew who she was when he saw her. So he knew who Ray was. So he does know her before. Yeah. So there's a good chance that they are related. Absolutely. So there's a good chance that, you know, that they have some kind of connection or whatnot. They could be cousins. Do we think that, what was the bad guy's name? Snoke. Now, do we think that he is Dark Darth Pelagius? I've heard this. Yeah. Is the music, it's the same music playing in, Retur- in um, Revenge yeah. of the Sith that was played when he's on screen. So do you think that's enough to give us a clue that he's the same guy? Could be. Yeah. Could be. I'm sure there are other people who know much more about this. They, I've seen the videos on YouTube. Well, I, I want all, a theorizing to give their kind of hypothetical opinions. Whatnot, you mean with yeah. like foreshadowing? Yeah. And that, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine, I, I guess so. It's a possibility. That's yeah. That might be a bit obvious though to use the same music. I don't know. Exactly, right? Wouldn't yeah. it be a little bit too obvious? It doesn't seem like J.J. Abrams does that kind of thing. It seems like he would want to make it a little bit more difficult to figure out, right? Yeah. 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 The last thing was on a Disney Lego Star Wars uh, video game in a commercial that immediately got taken down kylo ren says to her i'm gonna or he says cousin he uses the word cousin when he um is talking about ray he's like come here cousin or i will fight you cousin or something so she's like daughter there's some kind of line like that that he actually says the word cousin. see by taking it down they make just, it look yeah they kind of ruined it right <laughs> so now we have an idea so people listening right now watching the star wars force awakens i assume that you've seen if not you need to check it out it's a good chance that ray is ray skywalker luke's daughter but then would it go the extended universe luke's daughter luke's kids came from an assassin smuggler and we haven't seen her so maybe there's some backstory. well they they decided to forego the stack pole yeah pin. i know that for a fact so maybe we never they know. may be using elements of it but yeah. there's no jana solo or yeah um and i remember reading or actually listening to some of those books on tape when i was like a kid and like the late 90s nice my mom and i like i said would take road trips to visit my dad and we had all the stackpole novels on you audio listen to star wars stuff. yeah that's awesome <laughs> okay so as of right now empire strikes is still your favorite who's your favorite character in the entire star wars universe right boba now fett. boba fett really always did you notice that when i when i rewatched the first the, the three that matter before i watched force awakens he has a totally different accent in uh, Star Wars One and Empire Strikes Back, and then oh, yeah. and then in Return of the Jedi, then he has the South African or the New Zealand accent. Yeah, yeah. So they switched that eventually, right? Dude, I love him. I always loved him when I was a kid. I thought he was the coolest. I thought it was cool. Were there any summer yeah. movies that you also or um, fall movies that you also enjoyed? I liked Hateful Eight. Hateful, I haven't seen it yet. Is it worth it? It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Tarantino. Yeah. Um, I think he does a really good job of making conversations feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you watch them, it doesn't feel like it's scripted, uh, which I like a lot. Sometimes I'm like squirming in my seat. I'm like, what's going to come next? And like, yeah. they're really dragging this out. And of course it's a bloodbath and yeah. uh, typical Tarantino, but the soundtrack, Marcone. Okay. Yeah. Did good, the bad and the ugly. He and won the golden Marconi, globe for it. Yeah. First golden globe or first award in like what? ever at age 87. Oh man. Amazing. So it's good to see Brilliant. that. And he's well, Italian. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're Italian as well as am I of Italian background certo. as well. So we got two Italians here. Dre Demira, I appreciate you being on the show, man. I think you've been a Thank great you so guest. Much for we we me. covered all your work that you've done in different bands. You traveling to Australia, you, you play in different, different venues like the mint. Did you also play the whiskey a go, go as well in the Viper room? Uh, we played the Viper. You played the Viper, uh, Viper both with Sugarfly and Eva walks. What was that like? Cause that's one of the all time best Hollywood venues. It's cool, man. I think it's the best venue on the strip. Nice. On um, the strip. Yeah, they, the sound is great. The people are great. Does Johnny Depp still own it? Does he still own it? You know, club? I don't even know. I know he used to. I don't know if he still does. That's awesome, though, the Viper. I've never yeah. had anyone on this show who's who's had a gig at the Viper. So really? Right now, you're the first to ever do that. Awesome. So, Dre, for the listeners right there, where can they check you out? What kind of social media? Where can they find you? Uh, my website, okay. DreDemir.com. I also have Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and those are all 
at Dreadamira. Okay. And I will be sure to go ahead and have all those links on the description. And then this is your chance to go ahead and say goodbye. Anything you want to tell listeners, whether they're in traffic right now in LA, they're at school, they're not doing the schoolwork they should be, they're at work, or maybe they're playing video games, they're not listening to their boyfriend or girlfriend. What do you want to tell them? <laughs> Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, um, and thank you, Connor, for having me. Of course, bud. I have a gig with Sugarfly coming up at El Cid. It's our EP release show. Nice. Uh, so please, if you can make it out to that, come and hang. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, new music on the horizon, and just stay tuned. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Again, this is Connor Falk with the What the Falk Show. You've listened through SoundCloud, iTunes, and the new Stitcher app. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, like anything, I'm just a really lucky guy to get to meet really cool people like Dre here and on different scents or whatnot. I like to have them on for interviews. I find that maybe you'll find some entertaining, some informational, and some witty value in this time and this 30 minutes that you spent listening so i appreciate it and i will talk to you next week thanks for listening Seen too many troubles